If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One time when I was in Utah near Vegas, a couple in their 40s, 50s pulled over and asked me where I was going. I said that I wanted to see Los Angeles, and they said they were heading that way. I had been up for a long time at that point, so I fell asleep in the back, and when I woke up, the guy was lurched over me without his shirt on mumbling something. I kicked him to the other side of their car to get him off, and he stared at me all shocked. We were stopped on the side of the road, so I opened the door and rolled out. I felt groggy as F, and they took off with all of my stuff was still in their trunk. I still have no idea what was going on. Come to find I was only a few dozen miles from the border and about 40 miles from the nearest town, way off from where they said they were heading. I'm pretty sure they were going to kill me because I felt like I had been drugged for hours after they left. Luckily, some native people rolled up on me and helped me out. Those guys knew how to party. I never went to the cops. The wind whispered through the Yellowstone trees as I led the group of ten adventurous campers deep into the heart of the forest. My name is Sam, a seasoned park ranger with years of experience in these wildernesses. Today our destination was a place infamous for its numerous Sasquatch sightings. As we delved deeper into the forest, the excitement in the air was palpable. The group split into smaller teams to explore different areas, eager to uncover evidence of the elusive creatures. We had radios to maintain contact, ensuring everyone's safety. However, as time passed, strange occurrences began to unfold. 
Eerie noises echoed through the trees, and the atmosphere grew increasingly tense. We found strange footprints and broken branches, evidence that we were not alone in these woods. Our joy turned to fear when one of the campers failed to respond to the radio calls. Panic set in as we searched for them, only to discover their mutilated body lying on the forest floor. It was a horrifying sight, the first hint of the danger lurking in these woods. The disappearances continued, one camper after another vanishing without a trace. The remaining group stumbled upon the grisly remains of their friends, their bodies torn apart with brutal force. It was a nightmare come to life, a realization that we were being hunted by a merciless and territorial clan of Bigfoot-like creatures. I gathered the survivors, their faces etched with terror, and relayed the grim truth. We were in the midst of a battle for our lives. We had become intruders in their sacred territory, and they would stop at nothing to protect it. With each passing moment, the sense of urgency intensified. We navigated through the dense forest, desperately trying to outrun our pursuers. The creature's haunting calls echoed all around us, their presence a constant reminder of the danger lurking in the shadows. One by one, my comrades fell, their screams echoing through the trees before abruptly ceasing. Fear and grief gripped my heart, but I knew I had to keep pushing forward. Their sacrifice would not be in vain. In a final act of desperation, I lured one of the creatures into a trap. With every ounce of strength and skill, I fought for my life. Adrenaline surged through my veins as I landed a fatal blow, its lifeless body collapsing to the ground. The rest of the clan, witnessing the demise of one of their own, retreated into the depths of the forest, never to be seen again. Silence settled over the forest, broken only by the mournful cries of the wind. As I stood there gasping for breath, the weight of loss settled upon my shoulders. The creature I had slain was responsible for the deaths of ten campers, precious lives snuffed out by a merciless predator. I vowed to carry their memory with me, forever haunted by the tragic outcome of our expedition. In the aftermath, I emerged as the sole survivor, forever marked by the horrors I had witnessed. The forest, once filled with wonder and mystery, now held a darker truth. The legend of the Sasquatch had turned into a nightmare, a chilling reminder of the perils that lay hidden within the wilderness. With a heavy heart, I returned to civilization, burdened by the knowledge of the price we had paid. The memory of that fateful journey would forever serve as a cautionary tale, a reminder to tread carefully in the realm of the unknown. And as a seasoned park ranger, I would forever carry the weight of the lives lost, a guardian haunted by the memory of a battle against unimaginable creatures. Not really a hike, but a walk saw. There was this abandoned house that the homeless children would stay in, and people left heaps of expired food on the doorstep for the kids. Holy sit stank. Saw something stuffed in the crawl space vent on the side of the house and checked it out. I realized it was the top of a black man's head. I was terrified and turned around and walked away as fast as possible. This was one of the worst parts of town, so I didn't do anything, but I still think about it. About eight years ago, I went on a hike with my sister. We smoked a blunt swisher sweet split and emptied, then filled with weed. In the car beforehand, and were very baked as we started the hike. About twenty minutes into the hike, we see what looks like a patch of hair sticking out of the ground. I make a joke about it, and she starts to get really freaked out. I look closer, and sure enough, it looks exactly like human hair. We sat there for a good ten minutes, contemplating what to do, even considered calling the cops. Finally got tired of the eerie dread and pulled at the hair. Turns out there's patches of grass that look just like human hair. My eldest cousin was hiking the backwoods of Alabama with his wife. About halfway through their day, he noticed that someone was shadowing them. 
He calmly informed his wife, who was an Air Force captain at the time, and the both of them casually stretched so that their concealed firearms could be seen by the person shadowing them. That person stopped following them pretty much immediately from that moment. Different story. Younger brother of that cousin was out on a hike somewhere out by Mammoth in California and ran into what looked like a S assault in progress. Like any sensible person, he jumped in to prevent what it obviously looked like. After a short scuffle, he got the guy into a headlock, but the woman started shouting at my cousin that it was consensual. After a brief and what I imagine was a very awkward conversation, this cousin is very religious. My cousin let the guy go and apologized. Luckily for him, the couple was very understanding and Thry actually praised him for stepping in like he did. I went hiking in a national park, and there were signs of mountain lions in the area that would be eating in the trees, so there would be a sign that cautions dead animal parts dropping from the trees. I was at a turn, and oh my god, a tree covered in blood, and I hear some kind of whining shrieking from above. I was terrified, and I saw the mountain lion slowly killing some kind of deer or elk. I kept eye contact and backed off slowly. I never had adrenaline and a cold flop sweat so fast in my life. I never heard a deer or elk shrieking like that. I was carrying my Ruger 10-22 rifle and I thought about killing the deer slash elk to ease its pain, but messing with a mountain lion is not a good thing. I saw some hikers going back and told them that the trail is dangerous and told a ranger of what happened. I still hear screams. The last few months living in my old apartment were absolute hell. It started with what, on the surface, seems a funny story. My ex had just left for work, and as I headed back into my room to sit at the computer, the shade from my ceiling light literally flew across the room and hit me in the shoulder. It's not something I could easily explain, given that it's one of the ones you need to actually screw the light bulb into to make it fit, and the bulb hadn't budged nor were there any windows open. Not that that would have been enough to make it travel the distance that it did. That turned out to be the first of an increasing number of experiences over a period of five or six months. The worst of which was probably while lying in bed and hearing a guttural growl from the foot of my bed. My ex and I both turned to each other and said, please tell me that was you. I've never felt a constant existential dread 24-7 like I did for those few months and ultimately prompted me to move the F out. When I was younger, about 10, I went to Nicaragua. It was a trip with my dad and sisters. We flew into Managua International Airport from Miami and were picked up by some family friends in the afternoon. My grandparents lived in Rama, so we had a four-hour drive ahead of us. We were in a SUV that looked kind of like a Bronco, but I'm not sure if it was. In a front seat, we had the driver, my sister, and myself. I was near the window. Then my dad was in the back with a few of his brothers and our cousins catching up and planning the upcoming days. Aside, my sister and I vibably remember looking over at the driver and the keys fell out of the ignition. He chuckled and kept driving. We were terrified. Now the road to Rama during this time at least was horrible. It was raw dirt and rocky proving to be a very bumpy ride. Not to mention you were enclosed by jungle on each side, and it wasn't lit at all. It was getting darker outside, and I had one of my hands out the window, playing with the passing air. We weren't so close to the edge of the road to where I could grab the leaves, but close enough that I could see about a foot or two into the thickness of the jungle. I was playing around with the air, kind of zoning out, when all of a sudden... A gnarled, clawed hand reaches for me and almost touches me. I felt the heat coming off of the hand. I knew it was real. My sister was also dozing off, but she saw me pull my hand away, as any eight, ten-year-old girl would. I started screaming and crying. 
My dad tried to figure out what was wrong if I was hurt and started calming me down. I told him what I saw and felt, and you could see the concern on his face. The others in the back of the Bronco grew quiet except for one person who mentioned Lamona. Lamona means monkey woman in Spanish, but it didn't look like a monkey hand to me. No one said anything else to us for the rest of the ride. They quietly spoke amongst themselves. My sister switched seats with me and rolled up the window so that a small stream of air could pass through. My dad didn't mention anything when we got to my grandparents' place, but I told my grandma about it. After feeding us quite a bit, she told me my dad had a run-in with monkeys outside their house when he was younger. I ended up getting really sick the next day, something similar to food poisoning, and was miserable for the rest of the trip. When we got back home to Miami, I told my mom about it, and she and my grandmother on my mom's side recanted a story about my mom seeing Lamona when she was younger. My grandma was working late, and so my mom was looking after her three brothers. My grandpa was out drinking with his friends, as always. My mom and uncles were watching TV when something heavy hit the roof and started running around. When it jumped to the ground outside, they felt the floor shake. It pounded and pounded on the door, trying to get in. Then my mom saw a set of claws come under the door, as if it was trying to rip the tin door open. My grandpa and friends had come home and seen what was happening. He grabbed his shotgun, and they chased it back into the jungle. The next-door neighbor went running to my grandma's bakery and told her what happened. They both came back to check on the kids. My grandma believes Lamona was looking for my grandpa. I'm not sure why, though. After my mom passed last year, I had a couple occurrences happen. One was a coat that fell off a hook in my hallway, up and off a hook with no one around. I heard something fall upstairs, and the coat was laying in the hallway. The next two, I was in and out of sleep, but I swear I heard her talking to me through my alarm clock radio while I was laying in bed. Another night, I was laying in my daughter's room, getting her back to sleep, and I fell all asleep on the floor and was woken up by footsteps approaching me, sprang up to look around, and everyone was sleeping. The last occurrence I was completely awake, again putting my daughters to sleep and a wind-up ballerina that played music started playing a song. The item was sitting on the same shelf for four years, basically untouched. It is also way out of the reach of my daughters, so I know they didn't grab it earlier. At that point I said, thanks mom, I know you're here and nothing has happened since. I'm Jason, a police officer with several years of experience in handling various cases. One day, I received a call about a massive dog roaming around a neighborhood near a cemetery, scaring people. The caller seemed quite frightened, so I knew I had to act fast. As soon as I arrived at the location, I began searching for the dog. The area was quite dark and quiet, but I could hear some strange noises coming from the cemetery. I continued my search for over an hour, but there was no sign of the dog. Just as I was about to give up, I received a tip that the dog was spotted near the cemetery. My team and I decided to search on foot to increase our chances of finding the dog. We were all on high alert as we suspected it might be a wolf due to its massive size. As we walked around the perimeter of the cemetery, we saw a large black mass with glowing eyes. We could barely make out its features, but we knew it was big. The animal walked away slowly and disappeared, leaving behind a strange black smudge. We were all stunned and didn't know what to do next. Despite calling for more assistance and continuing our search, we were unable to find the animal. It seemed like it vanished into thin air. I felt a sense of frustration and unease as I wondered what kind of animal could be so elusive. Was it a wolf or something else entirely? When I was a young adult, I saw something terrifying in the countryside in Denmark. A good maid and I was about to go from his place to my place when we spotted something in the edge of a forest. It was a tall figure, about two meters tall or more, long skinny arms and legs. 
It didn't do anything, just stared at my buddy and me for some time, and then retreated to the forest. A couple of weeks later, my sister and her boyfriend saw the same thing, not far from where I saw it. They was taking our dog for an evening walk, and suddenly it appeared about 30 meters from them, again just staring. The dog began to whimper and flee with the tail between its legs. Then they ran home and locked the doors. About a week later, we found a mutilated deer on our farm. The abdomen was torn, ripped open, and the guts were all over the place. The biggest predators we have in this part of the country is foxes and badgers, and I don't think they can attack and do that to an adult deer. Shortly after my whole family moved, some to another farm, others to a semi-large town. I myself is living in the town now, but I swear, sometimes I still have the feeling that I can see it in the dark. This happened nine years ago in the early spring when I was 15 years old. I was at a friend's house in corn country about an hour north of Indianapolis. Now, uh, days I'm very familiar with the paranormal unexplained, having multiple shared experiences with friends, but at the time I was a major skeptic. I had not even heard of skinwalkers. I didn't fully process what we saw until years later. I came over to my friend's house to hang out like any other time. I brought my pellet gun. He had one as well, so he could shoot some moles on his farm property. After a while, his brother joined us, and we eventually got bored of looking for moles. There was a patch of woods about the size of two football fields a little over a mile away, completely surrounded by empty cornfields with no access points from the nearby road. The three of us decided to walk out there because why not? We were bored kids looking for fun. We put on some boots and headed out with our pellet guns. The walk wasn't super far, but it took us a while to reach the woods because all the spring rain from earlier in the week made the empty field a big mud pit. So muddy your foot disappears each step. Then right as we walked through the brush surrounding the edge of the woods, we saw it. The best way I can describe this thing is it was a raccoon that was built like a Great Dane. We had seen coyotes and wolves before, and this was not that. It 100% looked like the biggest raccoon we had ever seen. We could tell we caught it off guard because it was just standing there on all fours grooming itself, and then it immediately locked eyes with us when one of us pointed at it and said, Look at that thing. There was a couple of seconds where we just looked at it as it looked back at us before it quickly turned around and scaled a 60-feet tree. We lost sight of it in the canopy. We then looked at each other and were like WTTF was that, and talked about how the way it climbed the tree was what freaked us out the most. It only took a few strides up the tree, using its front two paws to grab a spot on the tree to lift and launch itself up the tree. The arms were freakishly long and lanky looking when it climbed. It honestly looked somewhat human the way it articulated its arms as it climbed, like its elbows jutted out to the sides as it pulled itself up. We talked about how freaky that was some more and decided to keep looking around because even though we were spooked, it was intriguing and we wanted to see if there was any other freaky stuff around. There definitely was. The woods were littered with easily over 100 animal carcasses bone piles. Most of them were cows, raccoons, and opossums. There was one spot, maybe 25 by 25 feet, that had at least a dozen cow carcasses ranging from just the bone left to one that looked less than a week old. They were definitely being eaten by something with huge chunks of flesh being missing. I know cows get loose all the time, but damn if this didn't look like a feeding spot. My theory is this thing was stealing cows from local farms for food. There are a couple within five miles. We also found a man, made small pond near the middle of the woods couldn't have been more than six feet wide. There was a shovel and plastic bucket sitting next to it. Once we found that, we're pretty freaked out again and decided we better head back because we had less than two hours of daylight left and there was a lot of thick, deep mud to slowly walk through to get back. That's pretty much it. At the time, it freaked me out a bit, but looking back now, knowing what skinwalkers are, 
I'm just happy we came back completely unscathed. Unfortunately, I don't hang out with those guys anymore, and I tried to go back with some different friends somewhat recently only to see that the woods had been cleared out and there was nothing there. I thought I was tripping out, but I looked on Google Earth and I could see in its place was dirt and log piles. Probably an omen to not chase this thing. I'll take it at face value. Do you guys think this was a skinwalker or just an apex raccoon? I'll never forget that eerie night in the wilderness. It was a camping trip like no other, filled with inexplicable encounters and strange occurrences. We stumbled upon a massive footprint, larger than anything we had ever seen before, and couldn't resist capturing photographs as evidence of our astonishing find. As we examined the area further, we discovered signs that something large had bedded down nearby, confirming our suspicions that we were not alone. As the evening settled in, the atmosphere became charged with an otherworldly energy. Strange noises echoed through the surrounding woods, and our senses were on high alert. Through the flickering glow of the campfire and lanterns, we started to catch glimpses of glowing red eyes peering back at us from the darkness. The presence of these mysterious beings unnerved some of our group members, and they urged us to leave. Reluctantly, we began to pack up our belongings. It was then that my wife placed our three-year-old daughter in her car seat. To our astonishment, our young daughter turned to my wife and calmly recounted seeing a big monkey leaning over the car, peering through the window at her. The revelation sent chills down our spines, confirming that there was indeed something extraordinary happening in our midst. Despite the initial fear and uncertainty, we decided to return to the same location on several occasions. As we became more familiar with these enigmatic creatures, we realized that they were not a threat to us. They would playfully run through our camp, causing a commotion and shaking our campers. They would even toss small objects at us, but never with the intent to harm. Rather than hurling large rocks in our direction, their projectiles consisted of pine cones landing harmlessly nearby. We surmised that these beings had their own sense of mischievousness and curiosity. They seemed to understand that we posed no danger to them, and in turn, they did not pose a threat to us. Our coexistence became a peculiar dance, with the daytime hours devoted to our exploration of their territory, searching for any signs they might have left behind. However, it was during the nighttime when their true nature would come alive as they reveled in their nocturnal activities. Intrigued by the unexplained, I joined a research group that specialized in studying these elusive creatures. They discovered that my ability to imitate their calls and screams proved effective in attracting their attention. It was an incredible and sometimes unnerving experience to have them respond to my calls, as if they recognized the familiar sounds of their own kind. The wilderness holds many secrets, and my encounters with these creatures have left an indelible mark on my life. The stories and experiences I have accumulated through these interactions only deepen my fascination with the unknown. Though the world may dismiss such accounts as mere folklore, for those who have witnessed the unexplained, it is a reminder that our understanding of the natural world is far from complete. First of all, I have kept this to myself for many years for fear that people would say we were nuts. It was early summer, late spring, my brother and I were test driving his new Toyota pickup. I guess it would be south and east of the Mill Creek watershed near the wash, Oregon border. We had just crossed Mill Creek and passed the watershed entrance about a mile or so up the hill. The road was gravel and one side was steep embankment down into the gorg and the other went straight up. We had stopped to take a leak on the side of the road. As I stand there, I looked across the gorg. It was approximately 100 yards. And there on an old tree stump was this thing just standing there motionless looking at us. It was about 2.30 or so in the afternoon, clear sunny day, about 75 degrees. I quickly turned to my brother who was standing at the other end of the truck and told him to look up on the hill. 
We both stood there looking at this thing, look at us for a good five minutes or so. Then, as if it were never there, it turned and disappeared into the trees. It looked like a large, hairy man, kind of brownish, with dark streaks and patches on the shoulders and hips and legs. It moved so quickly it was there, one second gone the next. I do not recall any significant smells, but it was big, whatever it was. We could not get to the area where it was standing due to the terrain, so we could not see if there were any tracks. But if they are out there, that area above Walla Walla is where they are. It sends a chill down my spine whenever I think about that unsettling incident back in mid-2014. I was living and working as a berry picker in Sala, Lapland, Finland at the time. The vast picturesque landscapes of Lapland had always captivated me, but little did I know that I would soon be caught up in a bewildering mystery. It was a typical day, and as evening approached, I found myself waiting for a lift back to my apartment. I remember making a call to my contact, eager to share something unusual that had been unnerving me. Something weird is following me. It's like a dog or something, I whispered into the phone. Fear tingled in the back of my mind, but before I could delve deeper into the conversation, my cell phone abruptly switched off. It was either a drained battery or a deliberate act on my part. What happened next is still shrouded in confusion and unanswered questions. I vanished without a trace. Despite exhaustive efforts by the authorities, no tracks were found in the vicinity, neither human nor animal. The mysterious disappearance prompted a police investigation, initially labeling it a total mystery. However, their stance swiftly changed, dismissing it as an animal attack and ceasing further search operations. It seemed as if they were intentionally diverting attention and downplaying the incident, urging everyone to move on. The search parties, initially composed of Finnish military and police personnel, were abruptly disbanded. The involvement of my co-workers, who knew me well and spoke my language, was severely restricted. What started as a joint effort gradually transformed into a military and police operation shrouded in secrecy. They discovered a bucket of berries and my intact clothes at the scene which the police later claimed were left there by my co-workers. It struck me as odd that they hadn't handed over these items directly to the officials, instead choosing to abandon them deep within the forest. No traces of blood, no footprints, no signs of struggle or any clue as to what could have happened to me. In the area where I vanished, bears and wolves are known to inhabit, but their behavior didn't align with the circumstances surrounding my disappearance. Bears tend to avoid humans, and wolf attacks typically occur in packs. So what was the strange creature that I saw, and why did I abruptly end the phone call out of fear? The only description provided was that of a large, dog-like, dark animal. There was no information regarding whether it walked on two legs or not. What perplexes me even more is the subsequent silence surrounding the incident. The Finland National Broadcast Network, I-L-A-I-E, which was then state-owned, has erased any mention of the case from its website. The mainstream Finnish media has remained conspicuously silent, with only tabloids occasionally alluding to the incident. It strikes me as odd, because in our small country, even minor events make national news. While it's possible to attribute this to a mere animal attack, the circumstances surrounding the incident leave me uneasy. The abrupt end to my phone call, the heavy military presence, the removal of information from the news, and the swift conclusion of the search operation all raise red flags. Additionally, the description of the creature itself defies logical explanation, as does the absence of any tracks. In that area, the only plausible options for a large, dark creature are bears or perhaps moose, but bear attacks on humans are rare, and I cannot recall any such incidents. In previous encounters involving bears, they would stumble upon someone and quickly retreat. The truth behind what happened to me remains elusive, buried beneath a veil of secrecy and unanswered questions. It serves as a haunting reminder 
that even in the serene beauty of Lapland's wilderness, there are enigmas lurking just beyond our understanding. I had a disturbing experience when I was younger. My family was on a day trip by car and we stopped at a fast food restaurant to eat. We walk in and immediately I was overcome with a, a sense of extreme dread and fear. I soon noticed a man eating by himself. He was pale, skinned and wearing a white pullover shirt. He also had on a yellow knitted cap. The hair was sticking out of it as if he had been wearing this for a long period of time. I was extremely frightened with a feeling of evil that was overwhelming. His looks didn't alarm me, but his aura was ominous. I immediately lost my appetite because of my sense of terror. I couldn't help but look over at this man. He was also moving and very slow and deliberate. As I looked closer, his fingernails were long and bluish in color. His eyes were black, which stood out against his pale skin. I tried to get my parents to notice, but they continued talking. Apparently, no one else was picking up this vibration of malevolence. Eventually, I abruptly interrupted their conversation and said, Look at that man over there, while nodding in his direction. My father turned and said, Which man? That quickly the strange man had disappeared. There was no trace of him. I had only taken my eyes off of him for a few seconds. He simply vanished. I still felt his presence. In fact, I felt like he was near me for the rest of the day. I have never had that same feeling since that day, but I know I have seen the same strange man on several occasions. I truly believe that the he was actually there, and that he somehow disappeared into an alternate realm. This happened approximately 11 years ago, 1992. It was around 3 in the morning. I was coming home from a party with a friend. We were driving down Roberts Road, and I know you're thinking Resurrection Mary, but this has nothing to do with her. There was somebody standing by the curb with a lantern, and he got in front of the car, and we slowed down. He walked toward the car. We looked. He had. It was February. He had, like one of his arms was out, like a bandage was hanging. It was stained to look like blood or whatever. This was really gruesome looking. His mouth was agape. His eyes were like rolled in back of his head. His leg was missing, and you could see like a translucent face through him. We just looked at each other and were just like, Whoa! We drove on. He walked in back of the car and the other car. We looked in back, and the other car went right through him. Went right through him. Art Bell asks him to get over it again. We both saw it, and he was right by the side of us. We drove, and he continued to walk across the street, and there was another cemetery. It was Bethany. He was walking to the other cemetery. And there was another car in back that drove right through this apparition. I mean, it blew me away for like a year. I'm telling you, spooked. That was the most spooked out one I've ever been. I mean, I had a witness. We called Justice Police, but they didn't want to get into it, and then I called Richard Crow a famous Chicago-based paranormal investigator. I was attacked by an unknown light, so I was walking my dog in the front yard. I was hit with a light. It felt like it went down in me, then back up. It felt like it lifted my upper body up just a little bit. I felt expanded. I felt like I was energy and light. When I looked at everything, it was covered in shimmering light. The grass, the leaves, my arms. When I looked around, my movement felt like it was flowing. It stopped after about 10 seconds. Then for about 20 minutes after, I would get a small glimpse of that feeling, and I would get goosebumps up and down my arms and a warm feeling across my chest. The next morning, I noticed a rash starting on my chest and arms. It spread very fast, across my chest, down my shoulders, arms, and tops of my hands, everywhere that was exposed the day before. I saw a dermatologist. They do not know what it is. They tested for cancer. Negative. They gave me a steroid. Didn't work at all. Nothing will help it. I still have the rash. It won't go away. 
It's itchy, bright red, and is kind of shaped like leopard spots, if I'm in the sun too long. It puffs up a little, then it goes flat again, but hasn't gone away or gotten any lighter. I've also been hearing things in just my left ear since then. I hear humming, ringing, text-tone sounds, and a few times I've heard people talking, some in different languages being changed every couple seconds, like channels on a radio station. This just happened this week. I was on vacation with my family, and they were driving me insane after day three. I decided maybe I'll take a look on Bumble and see if there were any cute locals to meet up with for an hour or two while my family went to more museums, which is not at all my interest. My friends at home also thought it would be a funny story. To meet up with a local. For reference, I'm a 25-year-old female, and I was with my parents and younger sister for a week. We were in a remote-ish area in a small town out west, visiting a lot of national parks so there weren't a lot of people nearby on the apps. I started swiping and soon came across a guy who was my age and looked cute, had similar interests as me, so I felt like I would be down to meet up with him. We started talking on the app, then eventually moved to Snapchat. He suggested we go to the next town over, about 30 men away, to see the fireworks, I couldn't that night since I had plans with my fam, and I was also hesitant about meeting a guy 30 minutes away, when so was already out of my element, and we were in what felt like the middle of nowhere. He knew I was there to do hiking in parks, so he suggested we go for a local hike nearby the next day. A lot of great hiking trails around here. Important side note. I deleted my last name on Snapchat before he added me so he does not know it. I don't know if I had a bad feeling in the back of my mind or what, but I didn't want him nodding, knowing much of my info. However, it did show his last name, which is important later. I had hesitations about going into the woods with a random guy, especially since I had been around the hiking trails the day before, and my self-service was cutting in and out. But the trails were well populated, and I did want to see more out there, and my family was going to some museums that I had no interest in, so I agreed to meet him the next day. That night, I got a bad feeling and kept getting more nervous about meeting a random bumbleman far from home in an area I don't know too well. Even though my family knew where I would be, I was feeling uncomfortable and decided maybe I should just Google this guy and see what other info I could find about him like his Instagram or LinkedIn, etc. so I could give my family his info while I was gone in case anything happened. I also wanted to verify what I knew about him like his workplace and alma mater, etc. Well, I type in his first and last name and the town we are in in Google and click on the first link. Next thing I know, I am looking at a registered sex offender profile with his full name, address, photo, description of his offense, etc. And it was fairly recent. I'm not sure if I can go into detail here about his offense, but I can assure you that had I not Googled this man, things could have turned out very, very badly for me. Or maybe not, but nonetheless I'm shook that I almost met up with a registered sex offender. Please make sure to do your due diligence when meeting people off of the internet. Get it? I found out his full name because he added me on Snapchat. My family was okay with me meeting a random guy because I'm an adult and we had just been up to these well-populated hiking trails two days before, and they tracked my location on their phones. Get it again. It didn't have a lot of detail about the offense he committed, but it said it was R and the victim was an 18-year-old girl and it was a third-degree offense. This is all of the info that was available that I could find. More info on why I didn't immediately block him. 1. It showed his address on the offender profile and it was less than half a mile from my Airbnb. He didn't know where I was staying, he was going to pick me up, but from a local coffee shop because I didn't want him to know where my family and I stayed. 2. The place he worked, a restaurant, was literally across the street from my Airbnb. 3. I didn't want him to know I knew. I don't know why, but it made me feel less safe, so I, I just wanted to act like I didn't know. Be apologetic, we couldn't meet up, 
and play nice in case I happened to run into him in this very small town, then block him the second I left. I live in Texas near Fort Worth. A couple of years ago, I was driving my girlfriend to the time home. Late one night, we stopped at an intersection near her neighborhood where I decided to look down to change the song playing on my phone. When I looked back up, I saw a large black dog run right in front of my headlights. My girlfriend said, Whoa, did you see that? I replied, Yeah, hey, that was just a dog. No, that dog looks weird, she said. Right there and then, it passed in front of my lights again. I was terrified when I noticed it had no features, but more like a solid black mass in the shape of a dog. It ran past my window, and I noticed it had what seemed like smoke coming off of it. What the F is that? I screamed. It circled around and went past my girlfriend's window, going directly into my car's beam of lights again. As soon as it cleared them, I floored it and sped off down the street. We both couldn't believe what we had seen. When we got to her house, we sat in the car and tried to process what had happened. She broke down in tears and revealed to me that an uncle of hers had seen the dog we had just seen shortly before he passed. She said what we had seen was exactly what he had described to her family. He said he felt it was death coming after him. I comforted her as she cried and tried to play tough, but deep down, I was absolutely terrified. Was it there for her or for me? A couple weeks later, I was driving alone one night down a dark country road that I would usually cruise on the weekends. Everything was normal when I noticed something moving just out of the beams of the light of the car on the edge of the road as I drove. I slowed down and was shocked to see what was revealed by my headlights. It was that dog again, but this time it was running alongside my car as I drove. I was terrified when I suddenly remembered that the speed limit on this road was 70 miles per hour. This thing was keeping up with me. It was exactly like I had seen it before. A large black mass with smoke coming off of it. As I glanced back and forth between the road and it, I slammed on the brakes. When I turned to look at it, its head was backward. Not turned, and it was looking right at me with glowing white eyes. I'd never been more afraid in my whole life. I immediately did a U-turn and hauled my butt back into town. I was shaking the entire way home. Was what I saw a hellhound or something else? Are these things associated with death? My grandfather passed shortly after these events. I've spotted the dog a couple of times since then, while driving but only for a brief moment as I passed it. This happened last night. I worked late at our retail shop. We close at 5 p.m. except for six weeks during the summer when there are street dances from 7 to 9 right out in front of our place. We're one of the sponsors and we give two $25 gift certificates as prizes for each of the weeks. Since many folks who are tend are on vacation here, I like to stay open during the street dance. If someone wins, they can walk 50 feet over to spend their prize, even if it's the last night of their trip. Plus, the music is cool. They always have a good band. So after closing and doing the books, I got home about 10-ish, normal. It's just my wife and me, plus the dog and four cats. We tend to go to bed and get up early. It's a rural area. We have neighbors, but... We're on a quiet lake, and it was all quiet and dark by the time I rolled in. The wife and I often sleep in separate bedrooms because she has trouble getting to sleep, and I do not at all. I trained myself to go to sleep fast decades ago, and it has stayed with me. I can often get to sleep in two, three minutes, and I snore. We both do, but I definitely take the laurels for volume. I have woken myself up with loud snoring more than a few times, so I was unsurprised and unbothered to see a note asking me to sleep in one of the spare bedrooms when I entered the dock and quiet house. Our main bedroom is in the finished vestment and she was there, so I settled into the place I usually choose on the upper level. It's a double bed in a small bedroom that also hosts my laptop, the dog's feeding station and a water fountain for all repets. I like the flowing water sound. 
I recently washed this set of bedding and reinstalled it back on this bed instead of changing it out for another set. Just part of normal household chores, but I know I'm the one who handled it the last several times in a row. It's pretty fresh, has been used three nights since then. About 4 a.m. or so, by my best estimate, I woke up feeling something odd and blocky on the edge of the bed nearest the wall, away from me, and it wasn't just done thing loose. It was a hard, squared-off lump underneath the sheet, not very small, bigger than my hand, just a little. Really weird thing to feel at that time in this place. I told myself it was a weird dream and went back to sleep. I woke at my normal time of six, feeling a bit groggy. I felt over to the side of the bed where the blocky object had been, still there. I pulled at the sheet and was able to remove it. It was a piece of two-by-four, six or seven inches long. Odd as if, convinced I was clearly still dreaming, I rolled over and went back to sleep. I woke about 6.30, feeling a bit closer to normal. Got up, had coffee, breakfast, did chores, tended critters and plants, headed off to the shop. Got in this evening about 6. Watched Prey on Hulu with the wife, agreed to sleep in the same places. Ate dinner. Did bought mile evening at home stuff, came into the room and began disrobing for bed. Sitting on the cedar chest across from the bed is a six, seven inch piece of two by four. We haven't had any chunks of two by four sitting around this place in six years since I finished out the basement. I burned all the leftovers in our fire pit by the lake years ago. There have been no visitors. There is no lumber stored here, period, scrap or otherwise. I'm stumped as to how this piece of wood appeared, where, and when it did. It's enough out of place as to have me thinking I dreamed it when encountering it at first. I don't have known enemies, and it's not like waking up to a horse's head in the bed. What's the message to a piece of wood? It's a bit of wood, yet I am a bit creeped out at how it could have got to be where it is. Are the trees sending me a message? WTFE?